Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, on the ones and twos, super producer Brandon Newman and my father, Mike Golick Sr., fresh off of a 15-hour drive through the middle of these United States to get himself back out to South Bend. Dad, how you feeling? Uh, I'm I'm feeling pretty good. We, we made a – we made well, your mother, uh, which is like – so everybody makes a decision. Uh, <laughs> at, so it's a – we go six months in Scottsdale and then six months here at our a place at Notre Dame, and it's a 26-hour drive. So luckily, your brother Jake, who could be a, a cross-country trucker easily because he loves to drive. I know you do as well, but Jake comes out to help us. So we left on Saturday, early Saturday morning, like 6 in the morning, we, and we drove. We, the, states you, the states you touched – are Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Illinois, Indiana. Those are the states you go through. So the first day we went about 10, 11 hours. We went to Amarillo, Texas, and we made it to there. And then we were going to go Amarillo yesterday, Amarillo to Springfield, Illinois, and spend the night there and then just have like a three- or four-hour jaunt uh, this morning. But as we were getting close to Springfield, it was still light out. The dogs were being good. We have three dogs in this in this little uh, Sprinter van with us. And your mother was like, let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. You know, she got that. And Jake was all for it. You know, let's just keep going. So we decided instead of stopping in Springfield, we went the last right around four hours. We just kept chugging along. And we got here about 1130 last night. So it was basically a 15, 16 hour straight drive on yesterday but i'm glad we did it but i do have to say that you do go through going through all those states i did go through what i what we like to call the corridor of death and it's basically right when you're leaving oklahoma and getting into missouri you start to see so many uh uh dead and the the um why i cannot believe armadillos on the end armadillos thank you Armadillo, the Mike, the amount of dead armadillos on the shot as right as you're getting out of Oklahoma and going through Missouri is unbelievable. I mean, it's like they pick that time of season to try and cross the street and die. Uh, you, now, we didn't see as many as last year. Last year was, was man, in the 30s, 40s, or more uh, that we saw in this corridor. And yesterday maybe wasn't as much, but still. You know, there's an armadillo. There's an armadillo. Some are smashed. Some are just laying on their backs. It's just, it's like, wow, you almost, you almost stay silent like you're walking through a graveyard or something, you know, out of respect for the armadillos, which just get destroyed on a stretch of road in Missouri. I do not understand it. And obviously the armadillos don't understand it because they keep doing it year after year. No, there's a bad joke in there about why does the armadillo cross the road and he doesn't. Um, but no, yeah, this is the second time I've it. heard about this now because Jake and you guys made this drive last year too and yeah. said the same thing. I didn't see this personally, but there is this interesting phenomenon where certain states and certain areas just become a place where animals go to die on the road. Yeah, yeah. I saw the same thing when I drove from Pittsburgh's airport to Happy Valley. I was going to do a game at Penn State last year, and I have never seen more dead deer along one stretch of road in my entire life and so apparently that area is to deer what your area is to armadillos there which is a shame because i almost never i don't think i've ever seen an armadillo alive so it sucks that the only time you guys got to see them is after they had passed i mean i've only seen it on shows i've never seen an armadillo live alive live you know and we're only passing them dead and you and you're right man Pennsylvania the amount of deer there that gets smoked mm. on the road it's it's just unbelievable but yeah it's a strange phenomenon it really is after going through all these states and the flatland and the open roads 
that all of a sudden you just hit this stretch where, man, it's just one after another. We saw maybe one or two deer and probably 20 armadillo. Uh, we're, we're just stunned. So it's just, it's just a really weird part of the drive. But happy to be back. Happy to be back at, at Notre Dame, where just yesterday was graduation. Mike, we got here. You'll remember this. Jake is reminiscing. Ten years ago, he graduated. So it was 11 for you. We got in about a quarter to 12 last night, just going on midnight. And you know what all the, the graduators, graduation class does. What do they do on the night of, of graduation? Where do they go with their bottles of champagne? Yeah, so in Notre Dame, there's this weird old wives' tale or superstition that if you're an undergrad and you walk up the steps of the main building, so where the Gold Dome is, there's the administration building, the office of admission, some classrooms are in there, but the whole thought is if you walk up those steps as an undergrad, you won't graduate, and people like myself, nerds, actually avoid it as an undergrad (laughs) and don't do it, and so the night of graduation, everybody goes, and campus security kind of sanctions it off because they know the drill, and everyone goes and parties. We had literally had people setting kegs on the steps of the front steps of the golden dome at notre dame you're tossing beers up to people that have made their way up to the top people are popping champagne and so that's what happens and what you can do at a school that's only 8500 undergrads so you've got a small enough class to house that but it's a good time on there is a bunch of very sweaty very drunk memories from that portion of the night and you guys drove right into the teeth of that as you were coming into south we we literally parked our car and as we were getting out there were just students walking down Notre Dame Avenue with bottles of champagne. We're like, hey, have a good time, you know? And like 10, 15 minutes later, as Jake and I were unloading the van, we could hear them. We could hear them just all going nuts, you know, at the steps at the dome. It was pretty cool, you know? It made you... Jake goes, oh, yeah, I remember doing this 10 years ago. And now I'm trying to deal with my kid who's got a cold. I mean, yeah, here's yeah. what life comes at you. 10 years later, it's a, a little bit different. And all these 21, 22-year-olds are out celebrating out of the steps. Jake's reminiscent of, my God, it's been 10 years since that. You're going to miss this. You're going to want yeah. this bad. You're going to wish these days. I said, oh, dude, well, 10 years. I said, try graduating in 1985, you know, and feel how many years, you know? Jeez. Yeah, no, that's that's also fair, considering the last time I was on campus for like a five-year reunion, I remember seeing one of the guys back there for his 50th actually earnestly ask one of the ushers where they had moved the stadium to because they had done so many renovations since he had been there he did not recognize the campus so uh, (laughs) there are levels to this life coming at you fast here um well congratulations to notre dame class of 2023 and the other graduating college seniors getting ready to head on out into the world we got a great show for you guys here as always download subscribe rate review leave us a five-star rating plenty of stuff to get to on the verge of some brooms coming out in both the east and the west in the nba um a celebration of one career that just decided to call it quits this morning but dad if we're going to start with celebrations from this weekend hot damn there is no better place to start than the pga championship and it feels weird to say we'll get to the actual winner in brooks exactly and what this means for him like i i would be curious what brooks's thought was because it seemed like everybody around this michael block story kind of played their part right Because everyone understood what we got this weekend was sports movie type special from the world of golf. So if anyone had missed it, the PGA Championship, as of nineteen nine, or excuse me, as of two thousand six, has whittled the number down. But the PGA Championship is one of the majors in the world of golf, and it's the only one that invites the PGA pros. So when you think of your local country club, your local public course, who's got a golf pro there, who's the guy that gives out lessons, this is the tournament where those guys can qualify. It's the only major that doesn't invite amateurs, so doesn't invite young players who are in pursuit of their tour card, but instead invites any of the PGA professionals. Until 1994, they used to invite 40, then it was cut down to 25. Now it's at 20 and you make that cut by playing at a uh, PGA event the PGA uh, championship event for all of these players it's the uh, yeah the PGA championship invites them after they qualify in that tournament right and so they go out here and they play with the professionals and 
Michael Block started to make waves Thursday and Friday when he was within one shot of the league. He finished top 10 on Friday and then went through a rain-soaked Saturday and came out on the other side and Sunday paired with Rory McIlroy. Like, there's great footage of them telling him, hey, you've yeah. played so well now for the final round. You're going to be paired with Rory Bleep and McIlroy. And, Dad, how does this guy decide to cap off a weekend where he has done the impossible, he has defied the odds, he goes up and on the 15th hole – aces it and doesn't just yeah. hit a hole in one but dunks the freaking thing here's the sound of that moment happening listen to the crowd at this golf event when he absolutely dunks the hell out of this ball at the 15th the fairy tale story gets better a hole in one for Michael Black At some point, Rory had to be like, all right, don't be a dick. Yeah, it went in. Like, we get it, dude. Yeah, but yeah. he said he really didn't know that it went in. Yeah. When he was talking to Amanda Balionis after, he was like, I didn't know. And he's like, why is Rory coming over to congratulate me on a shot that I feel like I just hit kind of close? This guy, I think a handful of times, in including that last interview with Amanda you're talking about, cried. This guy was a weepy guy. You know, again, he's 46 years old. His job isn't the PGA Tour. His job is a club pro. And so, and there, there were some things that came along with it. You mentioned after, you know, Friday he was tied for 10th. And then you see guys like that then fade away on the weekend. And after Saturday, and again, the weather was miserable. He ended up tied for 8th after Saturday. So you're like, okay, this guy's hanging around. Now he slipped a little on Sunday. And, but he did tie for 15th, and that was the key because if he if he was 15th or better, he was gets an automatic invite back to this 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 uh, match this this tournament. So he got it on the 18th. You talk about the ace that he shot on 15. He had an up and down on 18 that was incredible, absolutely incredible. He gets it. He gets to go to the tournament next year and cries at another uh, post tournament interview. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself, and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it, and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road, and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed's scientific board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome. And with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust. And it's great in convenience, too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently, just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again, with no refrigeration required. So, Trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo, code 25gojo. So, uh, big congratulations. I know we, we finished up talking about the PGA Championship to Michael Block, who felt like the winner of the week. He was the highest finishing pro, so he got a nice, like, crystal chalice at the end of it. Yeah. Don't actually know what it's called, because usually I don't pay attention to that part of the ceremony, because we don't usually get a guy who came out of nowhere to almost finish. I mean, borderline near the top, you mentioned... Finishing top 15, he gets to come back and already has a spot qualifying in next year's tournament at the PGA Championship. If he had finished top 10 
um, in that tournament. I believe he would have earned a spot in next month's RBC uh, RBC Canadian right. Open. Top four would have gotten him an invite into next year's Masters. And if he had been tied at top two, he would have gotten a temporary exemption for his tour card. Yeah. So I think we all learned in real time just how much is actually at stake. And to do what he did, the dunk on 15 was awesome, Dad, but you mentioned what he did scrambling on 18, knowing yeah. he had to make an up-and-down par to secure his top 15 spot and an invite to next year's tournament, and to do it the way he did, that was incredible. And he did it with the eyes of everybody at his club that he uh, that he is the pro at back home, all watching. Amanda Balionis got him to cry in the interview after, yeah. bringing <laughs> up text messages that his son had sent her about how proud he was and how this is the coolest moment of his life. And there are also some pretty decent financial ramifications for this too. Yeah, and there he, are. He he won. And and if you haven't seen it, you do need to see it. Now he's on. He's playing. Now listen again. He's a he's a PGA you know club professional. He's not touring every week, though he did get an exemption to the to the tournament next week. Um, yeah, so well, and also just as some background. This is his fifth appearance in the PGA Championship and his seventh in a major. He also did have 17 starts on the PGA Tour. So he did right. have some background in that before he is now settled into his life as a PGA Tour pro who, as they talked about, very famously gives out lessons for like $125 an hour yes. at the club that he's the pro at. He does. And so he won 288000 a little over $288,000 for where he finished. He gets like $125 per lesson where he's a club pro. So he just basically in those four days got enough that was worth 2,307 lessons. That's what he got. So it's 2,307 less lessons he has to give because he made over $288,000. Not bad. I I mean, again, if you didn't see it, these are all guys golfing together on on the PGA and his reaction when he was told he was paired with Rory McIlroy was incredible. I mean, it was just pure like, oh my God, I get to golf with Rory McIlroy. I mean, it's a 46-year-old dude, man, that that it, it, he he acted like some, you know, weekend warrior says, oh yeah, you're going to play around with Rory. And you go, oh my God, you know, that's, that was his reaction as he was, you know, battling for a top 10 in this tournament. It was, it was priceless. I loved it. Yeah, it was. It, it really was a movie type event because, again, like these guys are in place of normally what we'd have like young amateurs that we see going at the Masters and having right. great rounds. Guys that are up and coming. These are guys who have a lot more years under their belt, and I think that reaction is that appreciation that comes with, "Hey, I've been kind of close to where these guys are, but I understand the different levels there are when it comes to the big stars on the tour." And as he sits home and he said, "There's probably nobody out at this tournament that loves the game of golf as much as I do. This has been his life. This." has been how he's made his living and now getting to live out that dream with that proximity to these stars was pretty cool and one of the stars he got to live it out next to was the guy who actually won the tournament Brooks Kepka. Coming off of a Masters outing where Brooks Kepka really looked like he had returned to form, he had a couple of wins on the Live Tour that he's a part of and left to go in large part because he wasn't sure his game would ever get back to this form. When Brooks Kepka made the decision, and anyone who's watched Full Swing on uh, Netflix yep. saw that was part of the angst around Brooks deciding to leave was he wasn't playing golf the way that we had become accustomed to, and now able to turn it back on in this tournament, pull away in the final round, him and Victor Hovland were battling there before Victor Hovland kind of fell apart on that 16th bunker that had eaten a couple other people alive during the course of that week. Brooks Kepka now is the 20th player with five or more major wins. It's his third PGA championship win, which he is now one of six players and Trey's Tiger Woods, um, who has four with three or more PGA championships and wins his first major since 2019. And dad, I thought it was super interesting when he got asked after the round, because Bryson DeChambeau, who is also in this tournament here, right. Dustin Johnson, Phil Mickelson, the other live tour players, Bryson DeChambeau came out after and said, this validates the live tour in a big way to show we've still got golfers that are playing at the top of the world. Brooks really didn't want to give that nope. a lot of time. Like, if you look at his post-match statements, it reeks very much of Drago from Rocky Four. I fight for me. 
He's like, I'm not really worried about all that. I'm out here playing for me. And it seems like a guy with a remarkable bit of clarity about who he is, what he did, and what it really means. And it seems to be, yeah, that guy wasn't sure he was going to be able to do this anymore. He took a bunch of money knowing it came from a troubling source. And now that he's back on the other side of this is really just focused on the golf that he can play and not being the banner for somebody's cause. Listen, you're right, I believe, on why he went there. His goal it was was in the toilet, the way he was playing. He even said on, on that full swing, the Netflix series, I can't compete with these top guys anymore. So, and, and I believe he intimated that if he was still playing well before he went to live, yeah. he never would have gone to live. So, live ended up being where older players were going, struggling players like Brooks or guys we didn't know yet who felt, I'm going to go get some easier money you know, in the live tour, then I'll get on the PGA tour. And we know what that's caused. We can get into what's going on now at the Ryder cup and, uh, and Brooks kept uh, and other live players as well. But it was interesting. He did not want to go down that road at all. He said, this one, this one's about me. Basically, this one is about me, you know, not about the standards of live because you're right. DeChambeau just came right out and said, this, this justifies, you know, when all along we knew there were some really good golfers on the live tour. They just had their different reasonings for why they wanted to go to live and most of it, or just about all of it, being the easier access to money and the ability to get it, depending on where you were in your career. Uh, but yeah, he did not want to go down that road. Eventually, something has to work out, Mike, with Liv and the PGA Tour. It has to. Uh, there's just too, too many different factions right now. As, as, we, as I said, we can talk about the Ryder Cup, the angst that is already causing our captain, uh, Zach Johnson, for that one. You can The last interview he did uh, right after the, the tournament yesterday, just getting peppered with questions that we can chat about really quick. But I don't know what's going to end with this or where it's going to end, but they, they, they have to they at some point get a better working relationship. Yeah, and I think that's going to come to a head in these discussions about the Ryder Cup. Should the live golfers be eligible and be allowed to play and be picked to be a part of the teams representing the U.S. for the Ryder Cup is what we're going to find out. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIC. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at DKHorse.com. All right, we'll get to some NBA action shortly. It was a weekend of washes and a lot of broom emojis coming out uh, in the National Basketball Association. But, Dad, you asked the question, and Zach Johnson, the Team USA captain for the Ryder Cup, got grilled a lot about this. Oh. Because after this tournament now, Brooks Kepka sits at second in overall points for the qualifiers for the Ryder Cup team. The top six are supposed to be automatic qualifiers. Yep. And then after that, you have the captain's picks. You have the other elements of this. And that man was tap dancing through a rainstorm, trying to get around a lot of the specifics of what he would do with these live golfers, things like team chemistry that always come up in these discussions here. Do you think this should be an issue? Should it be as simple as, hey, if Brooks Kepka is in the top six, then he's a part of the Ryder Cup team, and we don't think any more about the distinction between live and PGA? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's going to be in. If he stays in the top six, he's going to be an automatic pick. The question's going to be the captain's picks after. There's, I believe, 13 golfers on the team. Six are automatic. My math says that seven, the captains have to pick. That, to me, is where Kepka's going to make it easy. He's going to be an automatic qualifier. So th there's, there's really nothing you can do or should do. If he has accumulated those points and it's part of the Ryder Cup point system uh, of the automatic qualifiers, then that's a no-brainer. Then he's on the team or any live golfer or any golfer for their respective, you know, whether it's the USA or or the Europeans, it, it, it doesn't matter. You, you've made it, you're on the team. 
It's again going to be the captain's picks. And Zach Johnson tried to massage through the first couple answers, and the reporters were having none of it. And they just kept going after him and after him about team chemistry, about what he's going to do. And he kept trying to, to tap dance around it. And I understand it. But that to me, Mike, is where the issue is going to be when it's now subjective. When it's now not just you're an automatically in, now how are you playing? Who are you? You know, and, and everything else that's going to come into the equation of picking those other seven players, how many of them can possibly will be live golfers that are in the conversation, then how many would actually get picked? Yeah, and I think the team chemistry portion of things, because obviously we went through that phase where Tiger and Rory and some of the heads of the PGA were very vocal about their criticism of the live golfers. And then now I think we've seen through a couple of the majors where you've had these guys not only back, but especially at the Masters playing well is we've heard a lot less and less of that public friction between the players on these tours. And instead, what I think it's all kind of pointed to is Live Golf's probably not doing as well as they want to over there. No. I mean, that was a league that basically was for the Saudi royal family to wash money through. Like, this isn't like them investing in a Premier League soccer team that already has a normal standing and has been a normal business practice for a while. This had one goal, and I think they stopped releasing their television ranking, uh, ratings did. a while back since they had been on the CW. There's all sorts of things that point to this maybe not being a venture that's going to be for the long haul necessarily. And so I, I think it'll be a little bit easier on the back end to sort of mend fences because it seems like at least publicly we've seen a lot of the warring factions and those bad feelings soften enough and the Ryder Cup will be an interesting litmus test for that because it's as close as you can possibly get yeah. outside of who you're paired with in these tournaments those are teammates those are the guys yes. that you're rallying with for that entire stretch of time that's supercharged and has all the wonderful feelings of being wrapped in the flag so that'll be fascinating to see not as funny as watching Brooks Kepka's entire posse force CBS to use the dump button for about a solid minute when he was celebrating that win at the PGA this weekend and probably not as funny as uh, what we imagine Brooks Kepka was like at being asked about Michael Block after the uh, round this weekend. Here's the sound that we have of that. Think of Happy Gilmore. I didn't get a chance to see him play. I was too busy winning. You got to admit that's a hell of a drive. 450 yards, huh? Yeah, how do you finish again? Dead last? <laughs> If anyone could pull off Shooter McGavin energy, by the yeah. way, it would be Brooks Kepka. Oh, so true. That was uh, I, that's a, one of the first things I thought of when when Kepka won, and I'm sure he got asked about block as well, just like everybody did. It's like who? who? Uh, I was too busy winning. Yeah, I, I thought of that it. It was that was hilarious. But uh, listen, it was a very cool weekend for block. Very cool what went on because it's more what we don't see, right? That's one of those things where where. We don't see behind the scenes of what's happening. And then that's brought to the forefront. This guy's crying through the weekend and getting emotional about it. It was a very cool thing. Kepka seems to be getting his game back. And then with the whole live situation going on, like I said, I think they'll eventually figure it out. But I, I thought Zach Johnson, we've been talking about him, the, the captain of the Ryder Cup team, a, a, a little, uh, he, he was kind of taking veiled shots, I think, at live throughout this. And one of them, because somebody was asking him, do you plan on going to any live events to kind of scout these guys? And he's like, well, no, I'm, I'm kind of playing as well in some tournaments, so I'm not really doing it. And then someone brought up the fact, well, you can watch it on TV. They asked Zach Johnson, do you have CW? And he was like, CW? You know, acting like he wasn't sure what it was. Somebody explained it to him. He's like, oh, yeah, I think we have that. My kids watch their shows on that station. And I was like, oh, man, okay, dude. Taking, just dropping Amen. little grenades in there. <laughs> Listen, listen. the CW has the distinction of bringing back Legends of the Hidden Temple on their streaming yes. app in a way that nobody saw or heard of. One of the greatest game shows of my young uh, lifetime that they've somehow managed to bury and get completely zero coverage is every indication to me of what's going on over there for Live Golf. So uh, congratulations to Block. Congratulations to Brooks Kepka, Congratulations to... South Florida sports uh, wow. right now as Brooks Kepka is a guy that if someone said the trend in South Florida sports should have let us know that Brooks Kepka was probably going to go out here and hammer time some folks this weekend because uh, don't look now. We know the Florida Panthers, who also in a weird bit of symmetry with the Miami Heat, were a team that won the President's Trophy last year, was a top seed, and then came in this year as an eight seed, and they're now up 2-0 in their series also mimicked by the Miami Heat, who now take a commanding 3-0 series lead after beating the brakes off the Boston Celtics last night. 
Dad, that was as one-sided and dominant a performance as I've seen in a game where the Celtics were somehow still favored in a way yeah. that is inexplicable <laughs> given what we have known about this series. So, Dad, what stuck out most to you about that particular game last night where the Celtics just seemed to lay down? So, some, somewhat stunned. And, and now I will say this. If you play sports long enough and into the professional level, you are going to have bad games. It, it is it is just going to happen where nothing goes right for you. So that happens to everybody if you play long enough. But if you're, you're in it long enough and you're in these situations, the higher you go, the more pressure that mounts. Remember, this was a team. Where were they last year at the end of the year with basically the same roster? They were in the finals, were they not? So and they were, I gotta say they were they were also though. Excuse me, this Boston team or the Miami Heat team? Because yeah, Miami, Miami Heat, they were the one the, seed last year too in the East. Yes, yep. The this Boston team, what they did, what they were able to do last year. This this is a young. People say, well, they're a young team. You know what? They're a young team, but they have experience in this area. All right, they have played deep into the playoffs and into, into the finals with some of the guys on this team. So we kept hearing the word soft a lot, Mike. Everybody says, oh, they're soft, they're soft. Now, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say anybody is, is physically soft because these are all great athletes. We've seen this Boston team be fantastic, obviously, with, led by Tatum and by Brown. <laughs> where, where, to me, the, 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 for some reason, and this is what I can't explain, it's a must-win game for you. To me, it's the mental side of it. The mental side of it, the, mentally, if you want to say soft, but it, but you're driving yourself mentally, right? Um, you're 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 not doing the things you normally do. If shots aren't falling, shots aren't falling. Okay, and you gotta you keep shooting through that. And we've seen Tatum do that, miss early and make late. But defense, listen, defense is about X's and O's, but defense is about want to. And when your body is not doing the things that you need it to do in this situation, that to me is the mental side of it, Mike. You just are, you're mentally out. This was a 30, what was it, a 30 to 22 game after the first quarter? That's, that's nothing. I mean, the Celtics are still in this thing. They're playing for their lives. And each possession seemed to build Miami's confidence and tear down Boston's confidence. And everybody's wanted to talk about, well, Missoula, this young coach, you know, they had basically the same team and they seemed to be tougher last year. I will, I've said this and I'll continue to say this. Listen, coaches are extremely important. Do not get me wrong. I, I am not saying they don't have their value on the team. They have a lot of value, a ton of value. But from when I started playing sports to the day I'm done talking about sports, I will continue to say this. The players have the most effect in the game because they're the ones on the court, on the field, on the ice, playing the game. They're the ones that actually have to execute said game plan out there. And again, this isn't a team that stunk and all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, look where they are in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is a really good Boston team with a couple of great players that are leading them. So to me, this is the mental side of you just not ready is the wrong word because you're ready to play the game, but one side confidence building and the other side's confidence eroding well, as each possession is going on. They got bullied. They got bullied in this series. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, like none of those players, I won't say any of them are soft, but that was a soft performance by that team. Oh, was. They got bullied yes. by a team who knows exactly who they are. And that's my biggest thing with the Boston Celtics is while they've got these great players, and we know Tatum and Brown are both do a bunch of money this offseason, and it'd be crazy for Boston not to try and retain yes. two guys yes. that are all NBA players who have been to the Eastern Conference Finals three of the last four years and the finals in the uh, mixed into that as well. But this team in so many important stretches, especially in the postseason, what we've kept coming back to is when it gets to crunch time, I don't think they know who they are. I don't think they've got one guy that they look to. And, Dad, you know this. You played on a D-line with Reggie freaking White. I played on an offensive line with Zach freaking Martin. Like, at some point, knowing where your dog is matters to the rest of the group. Every group that we see in the NBA playoffs right now, by and large, knows where the ball's going to be when things are on the line or at least knows the couple of guys. With Boston, it seems like everyone's kind of looking around wondering who's going to do what when when it matters most down the stretch of these games. And that's the confounding thing for a team that's got as much postseason experience as this young core has. It makes me wonder what's missing because there's been different coaches at the helm throughout this process for them. 
We've seen them go through a couple of different guys there. We've seen the same group of stars, but Dad, I don't know if it's a lack of, you know, outside of Al Horford, veteran leadership, who's going to sort of grab this locker room by the collar, because on the other side, you've got the human excuse destroyer in Jimmy Butler, who's just overcome in sheer force of will and been so great himself that he's allowed the Caleb Martins and the Max Struces of the world yeah. and the Gabe Vincents to go out and do what they've done, which is flip the math completely on this series. The Boston Celtics, a attempted the second most three-pointers per game in the NBA this season <laughs> behind Golden State, and they're getting wholly outshot. I think overall Miami's made 15 more threes during the course of this series and shot a much better percentage than the Boston Celtics, and it's because you've got one force of nature who's <laughs> grabbed this series by the horns on their side and Jimmy Butler, while on the other side it's this constant will-they-won't-they they of who's going to show up between Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Which amazes me because you said it. They were in the finals last year. They, some of these guys have incredible deep playoff run experience. So that's the befuddling me. And, and I'm not sure I'm really explaining it right because everybody, again, is saying how soft Boston was. And what I'm trying to say is it's the mental side of their makeup that was making them physically play soft. Because I'll, as I'll continue to say, I'll go to the defensive side of the uh, of the ball. A lot of that is want to. And when all of a sudden guys are dribbling by you and you're not stepping in front of anybody and you're not diving for the balls and you're standing around a little bit, it's like you're obviously not doing that. Something There's a reason you're not doing that. And again, I've said this a lot. You know, when you, when you take the air out of the sails of somebody, how do then they react? Everything is great when you're doing well. How about when you're not doing well? Then, then to your point, you look, we, I look directly to a Reggie White or a Jerome Brown or a Seth Joyner to say, okay, who's going to pull us out of this thing? You know, and that's what you do. You, you look to Tatum and you look to Brown to pull us out of this thing. And we've seen others contribute as well, but those are the guys. So that to me is the most amazing thing is you had, you'd been there last year. You've been to the finals last year. You had everything to play for in this game. Now Miami just flat out played better than you. They did bully you and their confidence just drove you into the ground. And what you saw is, as I, we, we talk about this a lot, it's easy to lead from the front, right? Easy to lead when it's all going well. But what happens when all of a sudden you don't just get knocked down, you get punched in the face. And that's what Miami did twice to Boston. Just absolutely punched them square in the face, knocked them down, and Boston didn't get up. That's the, the really surprising thing to me, that they just had the absolute will taken out of them. Yeah, and Jalen Brown said kind of the quiet part loud after the game. He's like, give credit to Gabe Vincent and Max Struess and all these guys yep. who we should be handling and aren't, who are playing outside themselves. And that's the point of this. Like, Miami's the poster child for the death of the NBA's regular season. Right. Because this is a team that shot, I think, tw was 26th in the league in three-point percentage during the year. They weren't any of the things that we're seeing now out of that basketball team in a way that's confounding for everybody involved. But you're right. This Boston Celtics team, and I heard Shaq and Charles talking about it after, this was the kind of laydown effort that you get when you're getting beat in the game that's the closeout one. You're down 2-0. Right. You've got a chance to go. You've yep. been better on the road. There's all these things in front of you. It's not game four we're on the other side it's one two three Cancun but this is a one two three Cancun <laughs> kind of effort that we saw on the court because dad in the other series like we've never had a sweep in both the Eastern Conference and Western Conference right. finals never. and I believe that's what we're going to get like we've got yeah. game four of the Lakers Nuggets series coming up tonight and I think that the Nuggets are going to do this I get it's on the Lakers home court I get they've got LeBron James but this has been the most no-nonsense effort from the Nuggets that we've seen in quite some time this is a team who's been building towards this for a long, long time. We saw the quotes about Michael Malone and Jamal Murray, about how when Jamal Murray was injured, he wondered, were they going to trade him? Were they going to deal him? And Michael Malone coming out and saying, nope, we're going to stick with it. Our ownership group is behind us. Why would we rush this? We have seen a team that's taken advantage of a lack of expectations for them from the outside world. It's not them firing their coach or worrying about that at the end of every season. It's not them making a knee-jerk trade for some superstar because they've got all this expectation around especially a star player like they have never had the worry of Nikola Jokic threatening to leave somewhere or trying to work his way out of Denver and so they're making use of that and so they've got that assuredness on that side where I think they're going to sweep the Lakers 
but we haven't seen the Lakers lie down. They've made every game close. Even right. in the first exactly. two games of the series, when they're down 20 at halftime, they find a way to come back. They find a way to make it close, even if they're not ultimately going to get over the finish line. And that's a ha- what happens when you're on a team with LeBron James, where you know how to get through those moments. You know if you're Austin Reeves, or if you're Jared Vanderbilt, or if you're Rui Hachimura. Hey, if things really are hitting the fan right now, we got two world beaters on our team that we can look to, and that are actually going to deliver more often and not in those moments. And that seems to be, of the final four teams, what Boston lacks in a way that everyone else has, which is a sure place to look when you need your footing over the course of a game. Yeah, I, the, the difference of two organizations that have basically 17 championships of how they're going about it right now, they're both going to lose this series. We'll see if they're both sweeps. But you're right about L.A. They have been competing. So to see it maybe go one more game wouldn't be shocking. But but Denver is just – they're just better. They're, they're just absolutely better. And it seems like Boston, to me, Mike, is in a no-win situation even if they win. Because they're going to lose this series. If they come back and win game four and look good doing it and are hustling and stuff, everybody is going to say, where the hell was that when you needed it the most in game three before you went down 3-0? Where was that effort? Obviously, if they lose, i got to live with the stigma of getting swept. But even if they win, it's going to be a light golf clap and a okay, well, great, you showed us when basically the series over, but when it really counted, you guys did nothing but lay an egg. So while they both could be sweeps, I agree, one has been much more competitive than the other. And I'll give the Lakers credit for that. You just have a better team. Where Boston, if you just matched up on paper the rosters, Boston has the better roster, right? Everybody would think they have the better roster, but that's why they say you don't play the games on paper and, you know, don't tell Jimmy Butler you don't have a chance or you get, you know, you get playoff Jimmy Butler. I was going to say, Denver Media, if you want your team to win, make sure you pick the Heat publicly here. Make sure you don't give him any inch because if you give Jimmy Butler this fuel, he is going to weaponize it against you. So I would have that as my argument there. Because what Jimmy Butler is capable of doing, and to me, this stat sums up the entire experience of the Jimmy Butler Miami Heat. This is courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info. Since 1991, this Celtics Heat series is the 580th instance of a team being favored in each of its first three playoff games in a series. The Celtics were favored even last night in the first three games of this series. The Heat took a 3-0 lead. It is just the third time since 1991 that a team has taken a 3-0 lead being underdogs in each of the first three games. The other two times, the 2018 Celtics versus the 76ers and the 2020 yep. Heat versus the Bucks. Jimmy Butler has been on two of the three teams that have done this as underdogs in a series. It is everything you need to know about this team, and it is why they are on the cusp of another appearance in the NBA Finals going back to the 2020 bubble appearance. So congratulations to the Heat for showing up, and uh, we will continue to have a lot of dog x-ray memes aimed the way of this year's Boston Celtics team. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Dad, before we get to this, that, and the third and finish things off for the day, it is worth noting that while we have talked a lot about the people on the court and the effect that they'll have on these basketball games in the NBA postseason, that there are also larger forces at play here. I don't know if you saw this last night. So Alexandra Francisco, who's a reporter for the New England Patriots, tweeted out 
that every city that Taylor Swift plays in has promptly had its NBA team get eliminated. This comes on the heels of her being in Philadelphia most recently when they right. got bounced by the Celtics. She finished up her run three shows in Foxborough this weekend. Awesome looking rain soaked shows too. Some great oh, surprise yeah. songs. Everybody seemed to have a blast. By the way, I don't know how she goes out there and does the show that she does with that much rain on the stage here. It's impressive. I'm glad she made it out without injury. But, Dad, it is worth noting in the rest of the NBA playoffs, if we look ahead and if we put any stock in this, Taylor Swift has upcoming dates in Los Angeles and in Denver, albeit after the NBA Finals, but will not play in Miami during this tour. The closest she got was playing shows down in Tampa, but did not make her way all the way down to South Beach. So if you're looking and using that as predictive, congratulations to the 2023 NBA champion Miami Heat. It's exactly right. Yeah, Jimmy Butler's going to get crowned, and it's all thanks to Taylor Swift, who, oh, by the way, is looking to make right in the area of about $600 million on this tour. That's good incentive to play in the rain right? It's raining. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll go out there and play in the rain anyway. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you who wouldn't have folded in game three yeah. against the Miami heat. Taylor That's exactly right. Swift. That's, That's who. exactly right. She'd been out there getting it. So, um, all right, let's finish this show off the way we always do this, that, the third, three quick stories as always download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel and the DraftKings network, Samsung TV plus all that good stuff. Um, but dad, let's start off with this. Our weekend roses. It's Monday. We hand out roses, reality TV style to deserve deserving winners here. Mine. It should be obvious to everyone at this point. If you're unfamiliar, this is my Valhalla this time of year. College of the cross is getting going and we have got the final four set in men's and women's college, the cross and our Notre Dame fighting Irish dad on the men's side, heading back to championship weekend, getting a win yesterday over Johns Hopkins in the corner final. This is their first trip back to the final four since 2015 with a chance to hoist it all. Still looking for that first national title. We've seen a few chances of that when you and, and Jake were there uh, as well, and it did not come to fruition. So it's on one side, it's number one Duke against Penn State, and then uh, Virginia. Oh, wait, wait, no. Yeah, Virginia's number two, right? And then Virginia yep, so against it'll be Notre, Notre Dame, Dame Vir- Virginia. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and and Virginia has beaten Notre Dame twice this year. So let's hope that that, boy, it's tough to beat a team three times during the season comes to fruition as that's the matchup in Philadelphia coming up on Saturday before the title uh, game on Monday. Yeah, that was that was great to watch the Kavanaugh, the Kavanaugh brothers, the Kavanaugh family and their time at Notre Dame uh, on lacrosse with lacrosse has been incredible. They're just they They were they were so much fun to watch. I was we had all our, our stuff working in the car driving home. They're they're not the biggest team around, but man, when there's a ball that's on the ground, they are they come after you like a bunch of hyenas. They are just knocking you around, slapping you around, trying to get the ball. It's it's really fun to watch. They are junkyard dogs. So again, on the yeah. men's side, you've got Notre Dame against Virginia, Duke against Penn State on the other side of the bracket. So Notre Dame would have to beat the only team that's beaten them this year in Virginia and the Duke team that has been the bane of their postseason existence for my right. entire college wa- lacrosse-watching lifetime. On the women's side, you're going to have Northwestern, the one-seed, facing Denver on one side, and then Syracuse, the two-seed, facing three-seed Boston College on the other side. So congrats to everybody. Going to yep. enjoy that. We'll talk a lot about that leading into next weekend. Dad, who's your Rose go-to? And and by the way, Boston College is the one that knocked out the Notre, uh, Notre Dame on the women's side of lacrosse yeah. there. Uh, my, my Rose goes to... The son of the guy that played in the same era as me, Keith Kachuk, who played with the Coyotes when when I was hanging around there, and his career began in 92, mine ended in 94. His son, uh, Matthew Kachuk, is having himself a series right now in the Eastern Conference Finals. Both their games, Florida against Carolina, went to overtime, and he scored both overtime winners. The first one with 13 seconds left in the fourth overtime, and in game two, just 151 into the first overtime, he scores. So he gets my rose, the son of Keith Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, uh, scores both overtime goals to put Florida up two zip in their series against Carolina. Keith Kachuk was a part of the only hockey poster I ever had up in my room, the Phoenix yeah. Coyotes, like you talked about. It was Keith Kachuk, Jeremy Roenick, and none other yeah. than in the net, Nikolai Hobby Bulin. Those aren't there boos. You go. They're Bulin. So, yeah, this uh, this one also makes me feel old. This is the rare combo yeah. platter of things that make you and I both feel very old watching uh, Matt Kachuk go out there and do his thing. Speaking of things that make us feel old, Dad, let's get to that. Carmelo Anthony 
hanging up the shoes. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, the longtime NBA star, announced his retirement this morning in a video posted on his social media accounts after 19 seasons, Dad. The 10-time All-Star, six-time All-NBA veteran was a part of the NBA's 75th anniversary team and came in in that historic 03 draft class, right? Was there with LeBron, uh, was a part of that group with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh and company, and was sensational. In my lifetime, him and LeBron was the real rivalry when those two came into right. the league. You had the high school phenom and LeBron James going up against Carmelo, who had just lifted the national championship trophy in his one year at Syracuse and was one of the smoothest scorers I've ever seen. He'll be 80 years old and will still be a walking, living, breathing bucket. Yeah, he will. Listen, a, a hell of a career, six teams. It, it's funny that you come in with the rivalry with LeBron, and that's the last team he played for was with the Lakers. He didn't play last year, year before he finished up uh, with the Lakers. So, uh, listen, he's, he's a guy that's going to the Hall of Fame. Remember, the Basketball Hall of Fame is not just the NBA, but his NBA career was incredible. But he has, what, three gold medals to go along with it, one year at Syracuse, and they win the title. So, I mean, he's got he's got a pretty good basketball background. That draft, basically, four of the top five are going to be Hall of Famers, right? Uh, it's going to be Carmelo, LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. What was it? Darko Milicic was, was the second pick in that was draft, the two, was it? yeah. Yeah, he's obviously not going to be in, in the Hall of Fame, but uh, but those other ones are going to be. He's probably going to be just on the outside looking in, right? <laughs> also receiving votes. Um, yeah. But yeah, shout out to Carmelo <laughs> Anthony. Uh, one of the smoothest yeah. shots and best offensive players I've ever gotten to watch. Yep. Um, a part of some of the best Nuggets jerseys on earth, a guy who I'm sure Knicks fans would still kill for now, and who gave us the hashtag Stay M70, which was supposed to be Stay Mellow, which is one of the greatest reaches I've seen yeah. on that app. Um, <laughs> happy, happy trails to him. Um, ironic, the year that the Denver Nuggets are probably going to win the NBA title, one of the greatest Nuggets of our lifetime calls it quits and uh, announces his retirement. Dad, let's get to the third. This is a, uh, a weird one. The city of Kyle in Texas wanted to try and break the record for the most Kyles in one gathering in the world. They were trying to break a Guinness World Record for the largest same-name gathering during the Kyle Farah Texatravaganza that was May 29th, or May 19th through 21st at Lake Kyle Park. The Gathering of Kyles, as it was called, was set to take place on Sunday at 4 p.m. where all eligible Kyles were there to report. Your name had to be spelled Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Yes. You had to bring a valid right. form of identification. They were trying trying to set a record set in Bosnia in 2017 by the Ivans, who had set a record for the most names with 2,325 participants in Bosnia on July 30th of 2017. Dad, the Kyles unfortunately fell short this year. I had word from Boots on the Ground, my buddy Kyle Bandujo, who hosts the Big Screen Movie Sports Podcast, saying that they believe next year they're going to get the number of Kyles. My question to you is, do you think Mike's could take this down with relative ease? Because there are a lot of us. Yeah, yeah, we, we, you just have to show up, right? I mean, you got to get the Kyles there. Mike's, we would dominate this exactly. Did your 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 buddy Kyle Rudolph? Did he go? Uh, you got Kyle Rudolph. Wow. Did, did he go into town there? I mean, Kyle. How about Kyle Vandenbosch? How about Kyle Petty? You know, those are the few of the Kyles that I know that would could could go and help this situation out. Yeah, it's a shame, and those Kyles are going to have to live with knowing they didn't do their part to try and yep. break this record. Because I'll maintain next year at the Super Bowl in Vegas, there's probably 2,400 mics in Vegas proper when that's yes. going on. <laughs> so we will make the call, we will rally the mics, and we will take this into our own hands to snatch this back from the Ivans and what they've done. We are glad you took this podcast in your hands. Download, subscribe, rate, review it. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well and live here on the DraftKings Network. Thanks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.